the introduction of the Derech Hashem so far has introduced us to, to what I find is, is quite an interesting approach to life. And the discussion which is kind of, it was hinted to by Shinhav but the other day, that there's this emphasis that the Ramchal is placing on getting it clear. You've got this world, this world is a confusing place, and a lot of your satisfaction and emotional stroke, intellectual um, quietitude is based on having all the pieces of the puzzle put together and clearly illustrated. But the thrust, and we're going to see it more and more as he goes further, the thrust is on a tremendous emphasis on a intellectual curiosity, being aware, being engaged in the world, being inquisitive, trying to figure out, well, one second, what role does this play? And then even the particularities of, well, is it the whole thing? Is it the part? Is it, is it the cause? Is it the effect? In other words, a very detailed approach to what's going on. Now, this is, this is very much what Adam and I would call, even though you know, it's questionable in terms of modern science, if these definitions are particularly and anatomically correct, but left and right brain. Uh, am I right? Uh, this is like very left brain. This is like all in the mind. And of course there's this whole realm, and this is what the, where you get like a really strange dichotomy, paradox. There's a whole realm of the spiritual world. And the spiritual world seemingly, the access to it, one would intuitively think would come through a whole different channel, an experiential channel, a channel which couldn't be broken down into words and concepts and described and parameters which are clearly delineated. Are you following me? So it's, it's quite counterintuitive that the Ramchal is offering us a spiritual pathway which is based on something which you would, you would categorize in, in a different, in almost in different genre. Are you following me? So I'd like to try to expand and work with it. I've been thinking about this a lot. And it's reminiscent of um, something which I think, and I'm, I'm trying, uh, we're in the process. We're, by the way, as I said when we began the show, we're in this together, right? It's not like I'm standing here on some type of pedestal as I'm about to illustrate to you, and like I've got it, and then I'm going to give it to you. We're in this together, which is fantastic, because it takes all the onus of the responsibility off my shoulders, and I kind of shifts it onto you which is, for me, deeply satisfying and relieving. I, I just want to talk about, because he, he speaks about over here in the following thing. He says there are eight things that you have to contemplate when you're examining something. You have to contemplate, um, if I quote from the Ramchal, he says, is it the part or is it the whole? Is it the principle or is it the particular? So let's just, uh, just to give you small examples of that, the part and the whole, the part and the whole is, let's say, um, the whole in this shear is everyone present. The part is um, Shloma. This becomes confusing because then, well, what, well, there's a particularity and there's a general. So what's the general of the shear? The general of the shear isn't the whole shear, it's the concept of shear. Whenever you have a, a klal, it's a principle, and a particularity is an illustration of the principle. So in other words, shlomo is both the part of the whole, and also the particular, the principle of the shear. I'm going to make it, I know, I know I'm getting a lot of blank faces, let me illustrate it with a, maybe an easier accessible example. Okay? Let's talk about, first of all, principle, 
and particular particularities, particulars. The the what would you call tables, bookshelves, benches, chairs, um, davitcher? What would you call that? What would be a, a way of describing tables, bookshelves, chair, tables, chairs? Uh, no, because you don't have them. Only this is not household. Objects. Objects. Objects describes everything, though, doesn't it? Furniture. Furniture. So, in other words, that's called a klal. Furniture is a klal. Now, a, a, a prat, I'm going to use the Hebrew words, that's a principle. Furniture is a principle. A prat of that klal is a chair, a table. Okay? Now, Gary, Jay, can I ask you, when, when, I, want you to, I want you to see furniture in your mind's eye, okay? I want you to visualize furniture. What do you see? No, no, I don't want you to see tables and chairs. I want you to see furniture. The answer is you can't see furniture. You can't see furniture. Furniture is an unseen. No, it's a principle. It's an idea. You can't see the idea. You can see examples of furniture. You can see a chair, a table, a bookshelf, a stender, a chaiselange, a one of those great big couches that you dream of when you're a bocha in yeshiva. Something that you can plop into and just be. Ah. You know what those things are? Instead of like going onto your bed and like you almost fall off the other side, even though there's a wall there. So <laughs> you've got you've got the idea that's called the klal. It's furniture. The the prat of that klal is a chair. This chair. This, it's, it's very specific. That's different from the hole in the part. In other words, the hole is not a principle. It's all the things together. So the whole of, let's say, this room is the bookshelves. It's not the principle of the room. It's the whole. It's the bookshelves, everything in. And you could visualize that. And the part is just one of those. Do you understand the differentiation between Pratt and Klal, particular and principle, and whole and part? Yes? It's, it's, it's quite a subtle definition, but I think we can, we can grasp it. Are you grasping it, Mordechai? Is your leg suspended? Good. Can you say one more time, just redefine the definition? A whole is a group of items when they're all conglomerated together, functioning within a system or not within a system. The whole of this room is everything that this room contains. The part is one of the things in the room. Okay? But they, they don't necessarily have to... But be neither of them is an abstract. They're both very concrete. Both can be seen in our mind. The, the difference between a prat and a cloud principle and an illustration or a particular is the principle is always an abstract and the particular is illustration of that principle. It's an example of it. So even though Shlomo is both an example of the principle, the notion of the Musashir, that's an idea, this is a Musashir, and he's an example of, or the attendance of a Musashir, Musa student, and he's an example of a Musa student, but he's also a part of the whole, the Musashir, and he's a part, so he's both at the same time. But it's different, in other words, you, it's different perspectives of, you can view him as a Prat, or you can view him as a, as a part. Yes, a particle. Abba, what do you want? Is, would, would Shlomo be the general or just be in the general? Shlomo is not the general. He's never the general. Like a particular he's not like even the sergeant. <laughs> <laughs> no, because he's a particular and he's also part of the whole at the same time. Correct. He's, he's, he's part of the whole. No, he's, he's not the whole. the whole. 
He's not the whole. Regardless of what he thinks, he's not the whole. Are you comfortable? You got a chair? Good. <laughs> yes, no, you are. You definitely are, Marine. Well done. <laughs> um, are we getting there? Yes. Now, the reason why I'm saying this is that I want you to. The, the reason why we're discussing these things, I think, is relevant to step outside of the of the work of the Ramchal and to discuss something which which I'm borrowing from from a source which is which is not the Ramchal, but I think it's very relevant. Um, the na- there's a name of a person who's a very talented. He passed away a couple of months ago. His name was Professor Ruvain Feuerstein. He happens to be a person born in, I think, Hungary and immigrated to Israel. But he did a lot of work with cognitive development. And I think it's, it's very, because it's so relevant, I think it's important to introduce it. And he, he, um, he, he took something which was um, a person called, a psychologist called Vygotsky had a certain analysis of how people learn, how people are educated. And he put the process he, he, he described was like this. There's a stimulus. The organism is exposed to the stimulus. And then there's a response. Stimulus. Mother-in-law walks in the door. Organism. Son-in-law. Response. Slam it. <laughs> That's why it works. Understand? Stimulus. Someone puts hefka, rugelach, on the table as you enter into the center. Organism. Yeshiva bocha. Response. You try to put as many as you can in your pocket while when other people look at you with filthy stares, you say, you need that amount to say an afterbrocha. <laughs> Afterwards, you, descri- you discover they actually weren't hefka. Someone just inadvertently <laughs> left them there for two and a half minutes. You took advantage. That's stimulus, organism response. You follow? Now, um, in order for a person to respond to stimulus, so the, the let's say, what... Professor Feuerstein innovated was sometimes when the organism isn't doesn't have the abilities, doesn't have the wherewithal to respond, so the organism sees is exposed to the stimulus, but nothing happens. There's no response. It doesn't it doesn't gain from the stimulus what it needs to. It's a little bit what we were saying yesterday is that we have the stimuli that we discussed was we are constantly on the road, we, we cross roads the whole time. Most of us do so successfully, or at least those who are present with us today. And the, 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 there's traffic and there's cars and there's, and there's motorcycles. And of those motorcycles, there's different categories of motorcycles. You know, those two-wheeled um, automotive vehicles. Some of them are called scooters and others are called motorbikes. And we differentiate between them as in terms of engine location and status and psychological ego boosting. We made a lot of different differentiations, but those were stimuli and many of us were completely unaware of them. So there was a stimulus, but there was no response. So what, what creates the bridge between stimulus and response? So what Professor Feuerstein introduced was he said as follows. He said, often there'll be education, but won't help. Because the goal of education, you expose a person to stimuli, but then if they're not responding, so then what do you do? What do you do? You're trapped. How do you, how do you stimulate the organism, the person, the bocha, whatever it is, to respond? So he introduced the notion of what's called, you put someone in the middle, call this the human, and you can put him here as well, and now he mediates. He acts as a mediator 
between the organism and the stimulus. So, let's say if I want to mediate to you knowledge of, of two-wheeled vehicular transportation, so then I'll mediate, let's say, of, with, that, with you, I'll say, I wonder what the difference is between a motorbike and a scooter. Um, I wonder what the impact that will have in terms of, let's say, road safety. And I'll stimulate an interest inside of you that next time you go onto the road, you'll be perceptive. And I'll say, isn't it amazing how the actual, the, that scooters, I don't think they have chains to drive the wheels. So what drives their wheels? I don't know if that's true or not. But let's say I'll make that as a... Of course, no, I don't know how the wheels go. I'll make it as a statement. So this is, called, this is called mediating. I maintain that scooters are driven by air pressure and they don't have chains to drive their wheels. Now that's probably rubbish. In fact, it is rubbish. So what I'll do is I'll stimulate something. If anyone's got any knowledge of mechanics, they're probably quite offended by that. And that will produce some type of interest that they'll engage in that stimulus and then there'll be a response. Next time you see a scooter parked outside, you'll, you'll go and you'll look around and you'll see well, how the back wheel move. Or is it the front wheel? Oh, it's definitely the back wheel. Or is it? It's definitely the back Or is it? Do you understand? So what I'm doing is now I'm, I'm acting as a mediator between you and the stimulus. Now the truth is, motive bikes and scooters is an irrelevant point. But in terms of getting what you need to get out from, let's say, creation, history, geography, so then it could be that we need to mediate to get that. It could be, as people, we don't, we're not effective. So what I really feel that the Ramchal is trying to do with the Sefer, he's trying to cre- tre- train us to be self-mediating. In other words, there's something lacking if you need another party to mediate for you. The ideal is you can create, create auto-mediation. That when you see a new situation, you actually, you become your own mediator. And you become, because you don't naturally respond, so you have some type of, let's say, call it uh, executive control that intervenes and says, one second, what's going on over here? What's going on over here? Why is this happening? Why, why, why? It, I mean, you don't have to go very far in Judaism to, to create this kind of mediation, correct? You walk into, you, you wake up in the morning and you've got one of these roommates that washes his hands beside his bed. I don't know if any of you have a roommate like that. Oh, in Mr. Shem, soon by you, as they say in Jewish. <laughs> but there is, there is a particular halachic custom where people place a basin directly next to their bed and they wash their hands upon awakening six times, alternately in each hand, although three times in each hand. Any of you aware of that particular halachic practice? Okay? Isn't that a bit, that's a bit strange, isn't it? A bit strange. You want to do Kabbalistic, right? You need to do the... Oh, you know, that's the problem, right? So, so, so imagine like you now, you, you peek into a person's room, you come into the room, and you see that he wakes up, he looks up, and then he immediately starts washing his hands. And you think to yourself, his hands aren't dirty. Why is he washing them? And why is he using such an archaic instrument of washing. I mean, there's a faucet but a few meters away. And he's taken the water from the faucet and he's put it into a double-handed, strange-looking plastic container. And then he's doing it in a rhythmic fashion over each hand, alternately. And he seems quite serious about it. He's insane. (laughs) 
It's insane. And then like, you kind of, you're trying to get over that shock, and you see him, he's walking around mumbling all kinds of things underneath his breath. So you, you're like quite interested, because you think this guy's a Martian. So what you do is, you follow him. You follow him, and he goes down the stairs, and he enters into this building, and it looks like a place of worship. So you think this could be interesting. And he's got this sack with him, this bag. So you think, I wonder what he's got in the bag. Now you're very, you're kind of, you're very cautious. Like, so you're watching carefully, and he opens this bag, and he pulls out this strange-looking item that you've never seen before. It's, it looks like it's made, at least part of it's made from black leather. Um, the other part seems to be made of wood. And it's square. And then you're, like, you're looking at him, you think, is this some type of, like, you're not quite sure if it's like a primitive radio transmitter, which is like this, like, is, you, you become very, like, very, very, just, very strange. And then like he like places it, and then as he's placing it like somewhere on his bicep, um, as an aside, it's the you know the one opportunity that people used to be proud of their thirteen-inch biceps on the beach have to reveal them. But so he places it on his bicep. You know he can say, "Oh, I've got so much place for my filling." So he takes it, <laughs> he takes, he takes, he takes, and he he places it. Placed on his bicep, and then, and then you know, like another concerned party comes over to him, and he says, "Ah, ah, 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 ah." So you're trying to figure out that obviously it's some type of new language that they've discovered, and <laughs> and then like he's like trying to gesture to him that there's at least two centimeters off spot. So okay, this guy kind of he, then he like he straps it around, and like and he's counting, so he's counting, he's counting like times, and he's strapping, and then like, puts it, and then, he, then he pulls out another one of these articles from. Is getting even stranger, but it looks very similar except the strap seems to be different. And he places it like somewhere on his hand, he becomes like very like, and then he takes out a mirror, starts that kind of you think, oh, there's obviously coming some maybe there's like some type of like you know, USB connection point in, in the top of his skull that he's trying to like slot it into because he gets very like concerned about geographical location. You know, it's like a, this is all very, very strange. It's all very strange now if. If there's that stimulus and you're not responding to it, so then that's because there's been no mediation. You should respond to that. You think, what? One second. In other words, the starting point of response, and this is one of the most basic cognitive functions, is um, the acknowledgement of a pre-existing problem. Something which doesn't gel with your notion and paradigm of the reality as it presents itself. If I would walk into a room, and this is actually, the, this Feuerstein method, what they do is they work enormously well with cognitively impaired children. They work a lot with autistic children, Down syndrome children, children with a, a, a whole range of, of um, cognitive impairments. One of the things that cognitively impaired children do is they can't identify the existence of a pre-existing problem. So in other words, which, which would be really troubling, troubling, imagine if we walked into this room and the benches were suspended in midair. Like walking into the room, benches in the Oh, look at that! The benches are flying today. Okay, let's take out. There's something that should not be the reaction. It should not. The reaction should. One second. The benches. The benches are flying. The benches are flying to the bench. The benches. The benches don't fly. But that's because you have a vision of reality. Your reality is cohesive. It's not random. The only right you have to ask a question to present a problem is if there's cohesion in your thought processes. You're following me? If everything's random, so, oh, the chairs are flying today and tomorrow, well, tomorrow there could be, I don't know, maybe they'll change into butterflies, who knows? But when, when, you, when you're in a world 
where things make sense, so then you can say, one second, this doesn't make sense. When you're in a world where nothing makes sense, so then you never can say, this doesn't make sense, because nothing makes sense. You're following? So, <laughs> go on. No, no, no. Go on. No. What were you going to say? It's, uh, like ah, go on. <laughs> no, you shouldn't have really. He wasn't going to say anything. Nothing at all. Good. No, I was, was going to say, I never really thought about that because when I had a, last time I was in Israel, I had a stopover in Germany and I was, I was, I don't care. So I was walking around in my Tbilin, like in the airport and everyone was looking at me and I was like, and now that I think about it, they probably did think I was like an alien, like some weird. That's, that's a great... <laughs> great insight that's I'm very important you're walking like in Germany and like you know and then, and then you, you thought why is everyone staring at me like I just can't work it out people look at me as if I'm strange I mean all I'm doing is wearing filling yeah, yeah, I understand I understand what were they thinking but now you understand they were thinking this guy is crazy you're lucky like the security guards and they come and because they don't have anything of any association it's very that. strange it's yeah. very strange it's all very strange even their religious practices they don't have any association to you know like I don't no. I don't have no they don't have filling Okay, so in other words, what the Ramchal is trying to, let's say, suggest to us is there has to be a process, a process of self-mediation. In other words, you have to train your way, by I means self-mediation, you have to train yourself in thinking in order to be able, he's starting with a vision of reality, but he's only gonna, it's only relevant if you're engaging in reality. If, if the stimulus, the world around you is this kind of this, this thing that you never ever bother to ask questions about because you just assume the whole thing's random and you don't seek to find congruency between paradigm and reality so then well I really am wasting my time now aren't I because <laughs> I'm just telling you more stuff about the stuff you don't understand so the starting point is things have to be cohesive there's cause and effect and when cause and effect is broken down I say, whoa, 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 whoa the chairs should be resting on the ground because there's weight to these chairs they, if they're floating in the air that interrupts with my notion of how the world works this is problematic something is going wrong over here let me engage in what's going on over here what I find is that there's some type of uh, massive wind flow that's propelling him there I go, okay that's a resolution because I understand that it doesn't contradict with my previous conceived notions about when do chairs and benches fly are you following me Batito? fully that's beautiful so that's why the Ramchal subdivides just as in the beginning and in, the, the Ramchal has got a different, a different work he's, he's written many, many, many work, books the, 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 the book that this is actually expanded upon in is known as Sefer Hagigoyen which is the book of logic and there it goes into the particularities and expands upon all these different processes of part and whole cause and effect etc, etc but for us we're dealing with it on a much more superficial level just to get the basic notion of thinking about where things are and how they play a role and what their role is and learning to articulate it learning to articulate it and that's the other point that we mentioned yesterday which was thinking about thinking thinking about thinking is let's say the first stage before you introduce your internal mediator you have to be able to think about thinking and then you can say one second was that a good thought to have had let me examine the cause and effect and the nature of that logical progression when I was thinking. I thought to myself, well, if it's on the table and it's a rugel, it is meant for me. Now, is that, is that, is that, is that necessarily, does that logic necessarily follow? 
doesn't necessarily for that thing to myself, well, I like rugelach, it is a rugel, it is meant for me. I don't see any logical fault <coughs> there. Yes, Joshua. Where do uh, thoughts come from? Because like the implication here is that you can have an illogical thought. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. But then Great question. If it comes from, like, you have to say that God is the ultimate, like, is the ultimate cause of everything. So, therefore, it's, it's the, you're left with this problem that you're getting an illogical thought from God. Uh, okay, uh, that, that's a great that's a great question. In other words, but to be put on hold for the moment. Okay, but where do thoughts come from? Where thoughts come from will be actually a topic which we'll deal with quite early on in the book. The nature of of where different thoughts come from, because thoughts are also very interesting things. And there seems to be a whole wide category of, of different kinds of thoughts, as he's going to discuss. You know, are, are, are these thoughts apart? Are they, are they particular? Are they klal or are they prat? What's the cause of those thoughts? Are they an effect or are they caused themselves? Do you understand how, how funny and how war broad these discussions become? For example, even in terms of modern psychology, discussion between psychologists, evolving discussion, right? Behavioral therapy, which means cause and effect. If you behave in a particular way, then you'll think in a particular way and then you'll perpetuate that behavior. Cognitive therapy. If you think in a particular way, then you'll behave in a particular way and then you'll think in a particular way. Cognitive behavioral therapy. If you behave in a particular way and if you think in a particular way. Yes? And then, and, and on and on and on. So this cause and effect is, is very complex and very exciting and there's lots of stuff to learn and we have to be curious because that's the key to happiness. Weiter. Says Ram Chal. You're comfortable there, Sean? You've got a place to sit here. Says Ram Chal. Says Ram Chal. Oh. So we, we're in somewhere in the middle of the second page. Uh, approximately, let's say, 